Hey, I'm Gary David. And I'm Adam Gamwell. Welcome to Experience by Design, the podcast where we explore experience designs, you guessed it, of all kinds. Bob Ross, who some of you or all of you might be familiar with, was a person that I grew up watching. And I can remember him distinctly from my grandparents' house where I spent a lot of time in their back room, just moderately transfixed by this character on public television. He was just a presence all around. The guy with the hair that talked, or I should say the fro, that talked Mm -hmm. in quiet tones and talked about happy little birds and happy little trees and happy little mountains and just in general, happy little everything. You could Mm -hmm. say that Bob was an ASMR streamer before there was ASMR. Those people who talk very softly, but somehow stimulate our brain to cause us to relax, calm down, just be at general peace with ourselves. And there was something about seeing a canvas transformed into a landscape that was also transfixing. The sound of the pallet knife spreading paint, the silences in between his descriptions of what he was doing. For a kid, me, who grew up in a somewhat chaotic environment, Bob Ross was the kind of figure that I wished I had in my life and in many ways needed. And I know I'm not alone. And Bob being on public television provided that needed presence. And as I got into adulthood, it's been really fun to see Bob Ross popping up seemingly everywhere. Bob Ross bobbleheads, of course, Bob Ross geopets, Bob Ross art supplies, Bob Ross board game, t-shirts, and many other items. You can even watch a marathon of Bob Ross episodes on the live streaming platform Twitch every weekend. Bob, it seems, has never left us and won't be going anywhere anytime soon. And so we're super excited today on Experience by Design to be able to talk about the Bob Ross experience in all of its facets with our guest, Joan Kowalski. Now, Joan's parents were responsible for helping Bob launch into the cultural zeitgeist. Like, what a, what a, cool, what a cool story, huh? Her mother was looking for healing after the death of Joan's brother, and she found her way to a Bob Ross class. And this fateful meeting led to Bob being everywhere that we see him today. So from her first job, At Bob Ross Incorporated, Joan is now the company's president. And in that role, she oversees all things Bob. And so we're going to be talking with Joan about the origins and the rise of Bob Ross Incorporated and why she thinks Bob continues to resonate today. And what's really cool is that we're going to explore the design of the Bob Ross experience in many of its forms. We'll be discussing things like Bob the sex symbol, the rise of Bobology, and of course, the study of Bob. We will talk about whether Bob will ever get the respect from the art world that he is needs and deserves, basically. But it's interesting because he's one of the most, perhaps the most, popular cultural artists known. And then finally, Joan will walk us through why and how the world needs more art and how the curating of Bob's work is helping to connect people with their creative selves. So we can't wait to dive in with you. So let's check it out. I did have a product idea for you, Joan. Tell me. Is there is there any potential for a Bob Ross CBD line? Because it seems like CBD and Bob Ross you know, being very chill 
Actually, we've had many requests for that. And we, <laughs> we, and we've had to sort of weigh it out because, you know, he appeals to so many different demographics. You have to be incredibly careful not to right. offend anybody. And so, you know, like the Deadpool thing wasn't perfect for some people, but it was beyond perfect for other people. You know, right. if you saw the Deadpool trailer with where Ryan Reynolds is pretending to be Bob Ross. So so we've not been doing any CBD because we have to we have to navigate through right now what we're really focusing on are little kids, little oh. teeny tiny kids. And we and the reason I bring that up is because we just this minute got the safety report back on a little tiny Bob Ross for kids kit oh. and we've been approved for ages six and over cool yeah so little, little, little tiny little tiny easels and, and, and can i tell you little brush little brushes look just like bob's brushes but they're like this big oh it's <laughs> unbelievable i am literally making a note that i'm going to send you this kit when it when it's finally done I was at a meeting earlier today and I mentioned I was going to be chatting with you. And the person I was chatting with, her face got very expressive, eyes got very big, and she turns around, she grabs something off of her shelf, she brings it over, and it's a little Bob Ross figuring. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, does this happen to you all the time? I mean, I can only imagine when you meet people for the first time and they say, So, what do you do for a living? And you go, Well, you know, I'm, I'm with uh, Bob Ross Inc. Yeah. What, 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 what happens next? What happens next is I don't have to say another word when people this is funny. You would ask me that because I say no other words. They tell me what my job is and it happens every time. And I would say that 20 years ago, maybe it would only have been 50% of the time and the other 50, I would have to actually explain everything. But now all I, that's all I say. And then they tell me what my job is, what I've done, you know, what's been going on. And then that's the conversation. I say nothing. <laughs> as a person who grew up with it, with Bob Ross as a phenomena, I'm, I'm trying to figure out at what point did it start taking off and why? I mean, have you had, do you have a sense of what was the, the, the point at which the culture became even more aware? I wouldn't say became aware. But I would say became more aware and became very saturated with younger, you know, age cohorts and demographics. I would say when Bob was alive, it was mostly, you know, like the paint people that painted, really. And near the end of his life, it, he started to appeal to people who don't paint. And then about, you know, so we we've mostly catered to painters for the bulk of our years and then about maybe six or seven years ago um, we were approached by twitch tv and which i thought was very odd because twitch tv is like video games and kids right. you know playing video games with each other they wanted us to have bob uh, have a Bob Ross marathon on Twitch TV to um, launch one of their new channels. They had just opened up a, a channel called creative. And this is because kids 
that do their own video games, the art and the background and everything in these video games is so phenomenal. Right. They knew they had that kind of follower that was into art. So they wanted to launch this new channel by having a Bob Ross marathon. I think it happened in 2017, 16. And so at first I was like, I don't even know what Twitch is. I'm not, no, you know, no video games. What? No, no, no. And it was my, I guess he was 14 at the time. My 14 year old nephew said, Aunt Joni, you want to do that. Uh-huh. And so, and he'll remain nameless because he's very, very popular now, my nephew. <laughs> I We did. We went ahead. We had all of the, the tapes were still analog tapes. We hadn't even digitized our programs yet or anything. So our, our media agent said, we'll digitize everything. We'll do it really fast. This is such a great opportunity. Wow. And so it was very wild. And we we did this Bob Ross marathon. It was eight days of kids doing nothing but watching Bob Ross. They weren't going to work. They weren't sleeping. They weren't eating. They weren't showering. They were watching eight days of Bob Ross. And it just blew up the universe. And, and ever since then, it has just sort of stayed a fan favorite with that generation. And it was Twitch TV, really, that was the turning point for that. It was amazing. That's really interesting, too, because it, it, even thinking about, um, you know, in, in the history of Bob, in terms of always television programming is kind of how he also reached a broader audience, too. So it's interesting to, to see that like it kind of happened again <laughs> in a different exactly. way. Exactly. It happened again. And it's funny you would say that because public television at that, (laughs) which is, you know, like we sort of talk about it's the old people's Twitch, you know, back (laughs) in the day (laughs) where it was just you and what you were watching. There were no commercials. There were no, you know, corporate interests involved in public television. It was just you and Bob. And now that's sort of how Twitch is today. It's just you and the creator, just the two of you pretty much. So um, we like to say that Bob is the, is the, you know, sort of the, the one that started that one-on-one um, programming where there's no third party sort of, you know, where it's just you and the creator doing you watching him delivering. And that's sort of how, how all of these platforms have gotten to be, so Bob started that too. <laughs> He's the original YouTuber, the original podcaster. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Are we stretching it? No, I don't think so. Well, we, we did talk about, we were joking before when we first chatted about Bob being the original ASMR. Yes. Right. You know, this yes. very kind of subdued yes. sensory oriented experience. And I was just watching his, you know, the, the weekend marathon that now happens on Twitch on twitch.tv. Uh, backslash Bob Ross, and it's, you know, I'm like, oh, the memories coming, you know, come back, you know, just like this very calming influence. And I guess when I was growing up as a child who wasn't a painter, people do form these kind of parasocial relationships with this, with that, with Bob Ross as an icon, without necessarily knowing him as a person. 
Exactly. And and, you know, we hear from adults now that when they were little, you know, and their parents were both at work and they would go home and between getting home and their parents getting home. Um, was when you watch Bob Ross. It was sort of the latchkey kid type thing. And it was, you know, like a family member sort of. And people are telling us that Bob is like their family. You know, I think he was a babysitter. I think he was, you know, a whole bunch of things to a whole bunch of different people. And talking about ASMR, there's um, a museum in London that's that's doing a big exhibit about ASMR. And we've got um, they have a big room that's full of big fluffy pillows and Bob Ross programs going on on little 1980s televisions. <laughs> and people are just laying down on these big pillows with headsets on. And, you know, he's the godfather of ASMR. Mm-hmm. And so he's in this exhibit along with all this other really cool stuff. But, yeah, definitely ASMR before it was a thing. Wow. How did how did. uh how did that get connected? Like the, this London exhibit in terms of, you know, Bob's, I, I think you're right. Bob's already been doing, he's, he's already doing it. Right. But exactly. It, it got labeled later, I guess. Exactly. Well, I guess the connection, I think the connection with ASMR and Bob came out right around the time that ASMR became a thing. So he's always mm-hmm. just sort of been connected to the concept, you know, um, folding towels and Bob Ross, like it's all the same thing. And so anytime anybody's doing a story or uh, an, an exhibit, this isn't the first ASMR exhibit that Bob's been involved with. But anytime there's a story or anything, people, uh, reporters or authors come to us about it because he's, he's like such an, uh, an important part of that whole um, phenomenon. Are there any? Oh, go ahead, Adam. I was just curious, like with that too. Are there, you know, any any moves or ideas, and or maybe this has already been done in terms of taking also some of the audio that's been on this programming, and then you know, HDing, HDifying it in terms of like turning up to eleven. Yes. <laughs> well, actually, Calm dot com has Bob Ross audio. Ah, yeah, sense. yeah, and I think iTunes might be doing. Um, but definitely people ask all the time, you know, can I just get his voice and plug in at night and go to sleep? You know, people used to go to him and when they would meet him and they they would say to him, you know, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but uh, you make me fall asleep. <laughs> and they didn't want to tell him because they thought it would hurt his feelings. But he would just get a big grin. And he said, you're about the 500,000th person that's told me that. It's funny. Everybody does feel like they're the only ones. No matter what they said, would say to Bob, it would feel like they were the only ones that, that had that reaction to him or, you know, and he would be very patient and just, you know, listen, like it was the first time he'd heard it. He was very good like that. But falling asleep, lots of people would tell him that he put him to sleep. There's, there's this element of popular culture, you know, that is perhaps not part of the typical art world. That, you know, um, art often is, especially painting, is considered to be for those who are, who can afford fine art, or those who can afford commissions. 
And that goes obviously way back when artists would make their living off of the wealthy commissioning portraits of themselves or somebody else. In, in your thoughts, in your understanding about it, was Bob one of the first people who popularized not just art, but painting as a medium for art? Definitely, it used to be what you're saying. It used to be for rich people that could afford to take all that time and do a painting that would take months, you know. Um, and the really, there have been lots of, of artists that have brought this painting to the masses before Bob, and one that that has a particular. Um, special place in in television artists hearts is William Alexander where Bill Bill Alexander sort of brought brought it more to the forefront but then there were even people like John Nagy and uh, you know uh, Nancy Kaminsky and Helen Van Wyck there were lots of television artists that were sort of bringing it out of the, uh, you know, various, you have to be born with the talent. You can't just start doing it because you want to type thing. But I think Bob took all of what those artists did and sort of perfected it and made it super accessible. And it, and it has everything to do with how Bob paints on screen and how he's talking to you. You know, a lot of Bob's patter, if you want to call it that, um, seems very natural and and very off the cuff. But you know, he sort of would plan. There was a there's a way to talk to people when they're learning from scratch, when they've never picked up a brush before. You know, the idea that you hear him say the same phrases over and over again program after program is all designed to help people learn to paint right so that if you hear two hairs and some air about a million times then you kind of pick up the idea that this thing needs to be done really soft so he didn't he didn't just repeat because he didn't have anything to say he had plenty to say but it was to help people that had never picked up a brush to learn how to paint and the other thing, too, is that you can do it so fast. Nobody has time to sit around for, for months waiting for one thing to dry before going on to the next. Well, that was one of my questions was, or my thoughts when thinking about mm -hmm. it is, was there any kind of, I wouldn't say resentment, but, you know, seeing Bob as this kind of iconic figure for other things than his painting, right? I mean, you know, what, you know, the art world recognizing him as an artist versus just somebody helping us out, make it popular with the people. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. You know, it's like pop music versus the symphony. Exactly. No. Um, yeah. In, in the old days, he would get uh, riddled with, he would, you know, with criticism for this crap that he was doing. That was mm. very, he was very, he was very used to that, um, that it wasn't really art and it wasn't really, um, you know, it was more just sort of kitschy um, schlock 
stuff. <laughs> trying to think of nice words that aren't like really censorable right. words. Right. But no, he got beat up pretty bad That's back in the day. Um, but then s- sort of there's just been this sort of slow evolution almost like people have just finally just surrendered to the loveliness. They just can't hold back anymore. And that does have to do with Bob just being Bob. You know, you can't hate on the guy. You just can't do it. It doesn't hurt too, that if you go to one of these museums and you look up close at his paintings, they're unbelievable. They are unbelievable. Believable. I talked to a, a a curator that did it did like the first exhibit that we ever did of Bob Ross paintings about three years ago. She said at least twice a day somebody would come in just sobbing, looking at these paintings. Mm. They're so good. You can't help, you can't help but realize that you know what, whatever criticism. That you're dishing out, it's it's not sustainable. It's it's just a perfect storm. The idea that if you want to do it, you can. Yeah. I mean, why why are you going to fight that, right? It is impressive the extent to which one is able to create this kind of plain air without the plain air, right? I mean, he's just doing it from imagination, so it's not quite it's not abstract, right? It's not like this this um, work that just com- is, is meant to be non-representational. It needs to look like a thing. It needs to look like a, like a happy little cloud. But at the same time, he's doing it from his mind rather than looking at something and trying to capture what he's seeing. It's a different skill set, it seems. It is. And, and as I'm listening to you say that, I'm, I'm realizing that that is sort of, I think why in order to capture as many people and as many feelings that people have about the idea you know you don't have to make a tree perfect the same way you have to make a face or an apple look like a face i've heard bob say before that he's afraid if he tried portraits that it would end up with three eyes he wouldn't know how to do how to do it you know but the idea that in nature there are no straight lines you know i'm remembering a lot of these things bob says this allows you to sort of be it structured enough to where you have background middle ground foreground but you still have a lot of chance to not have to be perfect and so you've you've captured all these people from being able to say that both you do have a few little golden rules not a lot. And the rest of it, it's just how you feel. Yeah, I was just going to say, and I'll, I know Adam has a ton of questions, but there's room to create without representation and so much art, especially like when people think about, I'm not a good artist. It's about to what extent can I represent whatever object I'm trying to capture with great accuracy and detail versus Bob kind of blowing that out and saying, yes. well, you don't need to do that. You know, close enough is good enough especially if it's, you know, serving this other purpose of trying to allow your self-expression to take place. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And what's funny is to take it even a step further, some of our teachers, some of our best teachers are not the best painters, but Mm. the teaching and the way they're able to teach other people is so, is so amazing. So now, now you're talking about there aren't, 
you know, there's, it only has to be perfect if says who, you know. So the idea that a teacher has got 12 or 15 people in a room and every single one of those people has just had the best time. Mm-hmm. Isn't that as important as if, you know, the, sh- the shading on the side of the nose or, you know, um, it, it's all just it all just depends on on what you're going for. And and with this Bob Ross thing, it's just a matter of really making people happy. And I know that sounds so corny, but honestly, I've drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. I've seen what is happening. It's just so amazing. We just did a really big class uh, a week ago. A hundred lawyers in the classroom. That sounds like a joke. I was going exactly, <laughs> right. It does. A hundred lawyers painting. They're like children. I've never seen so many happy faces. They've left all of that crap behind. These people, you can't you you can't ask for anything more. Unbelievable stuff. I think that that's so important and, and it re- resonates with me who is, I guess, has both an inner child and acts like a child most of the time. Um, but this idea, because I think it is important too, especially as we, as we even think about how folks are, are trying to be in the world today. I was, I was looking at um, Reader's Digest, uh, another kind of hallmark of, of the 80s and other times and later too. But it's interesting, their tagline now is a trusted friend in a complicated world. Huh. Exactly. And that you know, so it's just like it, it hit me, and this is today, like, you know, like an hour ago, two hours ago, and and so this, even thinking about what are those elements, even even if we, things that you know may be from a, a, a different time, but like how they are reinvented today, and like how what comes out is not the best writing, because you know, Reader's Digest is not the Atlantic, right? Right. Um, and Bob Ross is not <laughs> not a Caravaggio, but they don't need to be, right? And they're not supposed <laughs> right. to be, like <laughs> right. Uh, there's a funness right. and a friendliness to them. And that's like why that's some of the, that staying power, I think. You know? Exactly. I think, I think we're now adjusting. We, instead of, instead of reaching for some goal that has already been manufactured and is already, you know, presented, we make our own and they are, we're sort of fitting into the world instead of having the world fit into us. Or the other way around, something like that. I'm just trying to He's imagine wild. Bob Ross painting a Car- Caravaggio. Yes. <laughs> I believe he could do it. He could do it. Yeah, yeah. I think he should do it too. Yes. That'll be our next episode. How's that? <laughs> Bob Ross does Caravaggio. It's a happy yeah. little, you know, Jean the Baptist head on a plate. Just a happy <laughs> little one right here. Yeah. Little, 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 little strokes. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> I think it's I think it's all right. Yeah. Um, but I think I think that the point that you're making there too is is really interesting that there is this, there's there's such value in like technique matters on some level, but then also are people having a good experience uh being a part of your story? Uh and I think that is is something that, that is sorely needed, you know, in in a world of fast-paced lawyers and, and high-powered tech firms, right? In that it's funny because when you then put a paintbrush in someone's hand and say, "Hey, we're going to paint some mountains," then like that 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 childlike wonder or playfulness comes back out, and it's there for everybody, right? 
Um, we, we just kind of don't do that sometimes, don't act like that sometimes. And it's interesting to see that, that uh, you know, it takes something as simple as a paintbrush and some color, right, to have that, have that kind of come back out. I think that is, that's such an interesting notion of we, we kind of forget to have fun sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. Yes. And I wonder, yeah, like with that, thinking through, there's so much stuff that, that you're doing like through, through the, the, the organization. Um, and even just in terms of supplies, you sell in classes and videos and, and ASMR exhibitions now. Right. Um, you know, like, I think this is interesting. Like, is, how do you kind of think through these ideas? Do, do people come to you and say, Hey, we want to see these, these kind of fun t-shirts. We want to see these kinds of classes or like how much work is it kind of internal versus, um, you know, people coming and asking for, for different kinds of events and things. I would say that everything we do is a reaction. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> it's there's no, there's no, um, you know, Bob already did the hard part. He hmm. made, he made, um, he did the hard part for us. We're not trying to sell a can of soup here, you know? Um, and so now we just, we, when people, uh, show, show a desire and we sort of weigh and decide if we want to go with, with what, you know, is going on out there and what people kind of want. Um, it's, so it's easy. We're just reacting to what people want. We're not having to decide hmm. anything. We're, you know, but we weigh some things. We've probably, you know, we've probably rejected as many advances as we've accepted, I would say. Because like some of the oil. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting there. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Because, you know, there are so many different kinds of people like we're into third and fourth generation viewers here, like kids are watching with their great grandparents now. I mean, that's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. So we have to walk, you know, we just do want to we do want to make as many people happy as we can. And um, sometimes it's hard and sometimes we get. Uh, we get told that we're doing too much stuff and it's looking crowded out there with all the different uh, toys and socks and books and games and that sort of thing. But we're, we're sort of, we've got such a crowded pack of demography right. here that we're trying to satisfy that if you do stand back and look at everything, yes, we're out there. We are very out there, but it's, it's only because we're, we keep getting asked for all this sort of stuff. And, you know, like with the little kids kit, now that we've got little tiny kids that have been wanting to paint, but you know, oils are kind of messy for right. kids. Mm -hmm. So we don't feel like we're doing too much licensing and too much um, tchotchkes, I guess we call them, um, because we're trying to appeal to all the people that that love Bob. So there's lots of lots of things to appeal to lots of people. There's not there's it's hard to appeal to the 94 year old and her great grandchild in the same same scoop, but we. We're trying. 
They do have different sock sizes. That's true. Yes, that should, that should do it. Yes. Is is there anything about you know? It's interesting, maybe ironic that you know Bob is about creativity and creating, and you know is Bob Ross more about curating or creating? So people are coming to you with ideas, but is there a process within your company where you have people who are like, I have an idea. What if we did an X or a Y or a Z? Not necessarily for a product line but maybe for creating an experience, you know what I mean? And so like, how do you, you know, the idea of Bob Ross being creative, but you just don't want to curate. You also want to create in his memory as a company. Right. So yes, we, we do decide what things are going to go, go best. And, um, we we create off of ideas, but I have to say that, like I was saying before, we we don't really have the hard part right. of having to build something from nothing because Bob did that for us already. Right. So we're literally just building off what he's already done, which is the you know the human man, which is just so appealing to everyone, and the painting technique, which is you know, appealing to everyone. We, he already did the hard part is, is what I'm thinking is the answer to that. How long did this show run on PBS, by the way? It's been on since 1982. And it has been on at least every day somewhere in this country since 1982. It was, it never stopped. It was never interrupted. Um, Public television is funny. You don't just, everybody shows it the same episode at the same time. Right. These programs are uploaded on satellite and then stations pull it down. They decide when to show it. Um, And since 1980, since the very first show, it's been on somewhere in this country every, I would say at least every week, probably every day. Still very strong. Hmm. Numbers never went down. And even with all these other um, platforms, the streaming platforms and the the um, Samsung TVs and, and all of that, but public television is still very strong for our program. Right. And, and I think, again, it just has to do with different generations watch in different ways. And we've managed to tap each one of them. How many shows did he actually create, you know, when he when it first started? So he created, he himself created about 380. Wow. And then he had, yes. Wow. That many. <laughs> yes. And then he had about 20 episodes where he would invite a guest. He would invite, um, you know, his son, Steve, or he would invite a pastel um, painter, or he would invite, uh, you know, some other uh, television artists that have their own gigs going, uh, Dorothy Dent, and these are names that you don't know because you're not on the inside. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. So 380 episodes that he did and left us an amazing legacy because those 380 episodes, we've never had anybody say to us, I've already seen that episode. I'm very irritated. It's never, never <laughs> happened. Does anybody ever say like, I don't wonder how this one ends. No, <laughs> but they do say it's the one with the mountain. Right. 
Like, yes. oh yeah, that, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> yes. And we've got such a great phone staff that, oh yes, yes, I like that one too. We've got a great phone staff that knows how to talk to all these different kinds of, of callers. So what is it about wanting to share that with like someone calling up and saying, you know, do you remember this one? Like it's, it's, it's such an interesting thing about memory, right? That I had this experience. It's relatively unique in some ways, but it's very shared. It's unique that it's personal to me, but yet people want to talk with someone on the phone. It must be a, a riot listening to some of these phone calls. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it has to do with when they are watching. It's just Bob. And it's the black back backdrop. So you already feel like you're sort of alone with him. You know, there's yeah. not a lot of busy yeah. stuff going on behind him. You already sort of feel like you're in, like you're the only one watching. And I think when there isn't a chance to turn to a husband or, or a child, you know, that 800 number co- comes up after the program and people call and a lot of them will say, I'm not even really sure why I'm calling. I just okay. had to talk to somebody. A lot, a lot of that sort of thing. It's Bob. A lot of these sort of wild facts and fun, fun things that go on. It's just Bob. I mean, it's Bob, what he's done to people. Hmm. Do, you have, do you have a sense in, in terms of, you know, I, I, I imagine there is there's a it's codified somewhere, but just like why why did why did doing this on television appeal to Bob? Just to try to bring to bring. I mean, it's. I mean, I'm wondering too. Is, is it was it about kind of bringing this? I mean, joy of painting, obviously. Yes. <laughs> like, was it was it about like bringing peace and joy to people? I mean, is it educational? Like, what yeah, what what, what sparked that? I think in the beginning, because Bob started by teaching classes. That's how my mother met him. My mother and my father and Bob and his wife, Jane, all went into business together after my mother took a painting class Mm. with him in Florida. And that was Bob's thing. He was teaching. He was teaching and and he liked it. He loved it. And I think what happened was as the classes, and it took a while I've heard stories about how there was only one student in class and Bob wouldn't cancel. Mm -hmm. He would still teach. And, but I think it started as instructional for him as the classes grew and grew. And as the word got out that this new whippersnapper was teaching because William Alexander had retired. Mm. Um, that, that television came into, into play to teach, to teach more people. Mm-hmm. Here's how it really happened, though. Um, Bob teaching classes up and down the East Coast. When, when this little company was formed, it was for Bob to teach classes. And um, to, you know, to get the word out, there were two ways to talk to masses of people. Either you go to a mall, <laughs> mm. which in the 80s was a very big deal, right? It to was. go to a mall with your easel. There's, that's the new, the old new. I don't think people even go to the mall anymore. But Or you do a little spot, you know, a little spot on community television. 
which I guess was maybe an access channel or something. I'm not even sure. But my father found that the least expensive place to go and get a 30-second spot filmed was at a public television station because they were hungry for funds. They would do anything. So he and he and Bob went to a local public television station here in Virginia and Bob was doing some little commercials for his painting classes. And the station manager said, you know, he should probably be on TV. Oh, that's great. Where's that guy, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, what's funny, that TV station is no longer, it's defunct now, but I've just recently, I'm getting chills. Um, certified a painting from a woman who had uh, bid on one of the paintings from that very first TV station. Wow. Bid and when I think she paid like $15 for it or something. And um, so she, she, she was probably had gotten the very first painting in one of these public television auctions that Bob had donated some paintings too, which was kind of cool. Um, and, and does that, is that a frequent event that people kind of pop up and say, I've got a painting from an episode, whatever. Yes, definitely. There are, you know, Bob didn't sell a lot of paintings, but he would just sort of give them away, mm. <laughs> you know? So yeah. people have, there are people out there that have paintings and they are, wanting them to be certified now because there's, you know, this just has gotten so popular. He's gotten so popular. His paintings have gotten so popular and people are now getting them authenticated. And, and it's, it's, there are a lot of them coming out now. And in particular, before Bob was met my parents, he would paint, he would lived in Alaska when he was in the military and he would paint these big gold pans, these big copper colored gold pans. He would paint the inside of it with a little cabin scene or whatever. And those are coming out the most. We're certifying those oh, the very most. So, I, and I think that's back when he would sell them for $5 each or something to make a little extra money. And so there's a bunch of those out in circulation. It's, very, it's pretty exciting. I talked, I certified another painting. Two weeks ago, from a guy who lived in Florida, drove 14 hours with his painting. It was definitely an authentic Bob Ross painting. He had bought it two months ago at Goodwill Outlet for a dollar thirty-five. My God. <laughs> he said it had a mop and a sweater piled up on it. It was in like one of these big junk bins. He had to take all this stuff off of it. And he's like, nah, can't be, can't possibly be. And it was, I love oh. that story. Are, I love there, that. are there like Bobologists now, like, <laughs> like professors of like art history that would, yes. you know, can talk about, you know, specialization is, is the Bob <laughs> Ross early period or the Bob <laughs> Ross late period. You know, Monet had his blue period. I don't know. The Alaska yes. gold pan period of Bob Ross. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Everybody's an expert on Bob Ross. <laughs> Even that is not 
uh, just for the bourgeois. I'm sure there's dissertations being done somewhere. There has to be on on Bob Bob Ross. Definitely. And we get a, you know, a fair amount of like college kids that are doing papers and stuff on, on him. And yeah. Do you know what the papers are about? What the angles are? A lot of times, you know, they've just been charged with uh, write a paper about somebody you like or somebody you admire or uh, and a lot of it is where does Bob fit in in the whole art experience from, you know, from the beginnings to now and and where does he fit in? And we used to hear from these students that some of their teachers would say, no, don't do it on him. And one kid oh. said he absolutely refused to let it go. And he argued with his teacher. He would be doing his, pa- his paper on Bob Ross. That hmm. <laughs> I will, I will. And, yes. and then, but it's interesting because I can, I can see that too, where it's like, I, I, you're a student and you feel the need to, to be able to write that paper yes. and express that, then it makes sense. In terms exactly. Of yeah. Yes. Um, one thing I'm just thinking about too is is that of the television American icons, I mean the other I imagine a comparison that's common is Mr. Rogers. Yes. Um as like another kind of soft spoken, friendly um neighbor, I guess. Yes. Um does that I mean I'm I'm curious about that too. Like was was there ever I don't know, how how does do people kind of talk about that and and think about like what is it that there's commonality here in terms of this kind of being that we that we enjoy that is friendly and, and calm and, and quieting and, and creative definitely people put bob and mr rogers into the same sort of bucket um just for the for the reasons that you describe and with this whole sort of nos- craving for nostalgic things that's going on today that that seems to be um, particularly prevalent. That people want to talk about simple guys, and um, you know, I just got a, a request from a a magazine in I think in Europe somewhere. Um, it's a magazine about how to raise sons to be good, good men. Hmm. And they're doing a story about what a good role model Bob Ross is for young men. That you can be gentle and kind and still be hip and cool. It would definitely like, seem that he's like the, you know, it's, he was in the military, you know, he's painted landscapes very rugged, but at the same time, especially at that time, the, the version of masculinity that he was portraying was not one you typically saw on television in that kind of way, unless it was maybe Mr. Rogers or Alan Alda, right? Exactly. So that was kind of it. But otherwise yeah. it was very much a uh, more quote unquote macho. And so it is yeah. interesting to see, you know, going back to the college paper, you know, the portrayal of masculinity and vulnerability and sensitivity in Bob Ross, as it was demonstrated for younger generations and the world. It it used to be that people were a little shy, especially young young men, young people, young men were a little embarrassed to say they liked Bob Ross. Huh. Mm. 
you know, and so they would they would treat him as sort of an ironic figure, you know, sort of a comic book figure. And what we're hearing now is, but I really do like him, you know, like I do really, really like him. Like it's real. Like I'm not just being silly. Like he's kind of great. <laughs> You know, and 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 that he—that's authentically how he also was, right? Yes. Um, and so I think like that—that's an important part of it too. Where there's, like, I think on the same page as the nostalgia is the desire for authenticity today, right? And correct. I think that's it's it's interesting and, and uh, it, it's, I don't know, it's exciting to hear that that more and more of those conversations are, are being had, and that and that. Men that are like we're able to now like say, well, masculinity is not just one thing. It doesn't need to be that kind of macho that most people don't even like. Um, it's sort of just like you don't have an option, right? You're right. Told you don't have an option. Um, but then having these role models um, and having these these um, and again through media is important, right? That that we can access them across time and across space. Uh, and and to even think about it that way, I think is really really interesting and compelling. Um, as as like people getting to figure out what options do we have for the kind of person I want to be. Right. And how, and how can I see this in terms of art and creativity and being kind? Yes. Um, and even using happy metaphors, right? It's, yes. It's, yes. <laughs> there's no aggressive trees, right? It's right. Yeah. <laughs> when I was, when I was talking to this or emailing with this reporter and she was asking me to send pictures of classrooms and things like that to see, you know, that she could put in her story and, so I went on our certified instructor message board where they all talk to each other all day long and they post pictures of their, their classes and good, good resource to get, you know, pictures of classroom settings. And I thought, I thought to myself, oh, it's going to be really hard to find a classroom where there's guys in it. You know, I'm going to mm-hmm. probably have to scroll and scroll and scroll. And I, <laughs> they all have like more men in them than women in these painting classes, which is just not what you would have thought at all. But these are dudes and these are like, you know, rugged dudes. They are just not afraid. Mm. They want to paint and they're going to paint. And I mean, it's the, it's the greatest thing ever. And like with the lawyer, the lawyers, all these guys that had just finished hollering at clients and stuff had come in and just become little, Little soft pellets of love now. <laughs> it was amazing. Speak, speaking of which, you know, is there any space where Bob Ross is a sex symbol for people? Where they'll... Oh, I, I have think to imagine so. so, right? Oh, I have to think so. I, yes, I do have to think so. Definitely. With the unbuttoned shirt and the... Sure. Definitely. The and hair, the soft, the hair, quiet sensitivity. <laughs> yes. You know, for the ladies who are at home watching television, you know, husband's not home yet. They have their alone time with Bob. Kids aren't home yet. It's just Bob Definitely. and them. Definitely. He's speaking right to them. <laughs> In fact, I was I was proofing one of the, our children's books. This is not in the <laughs> children's book, right? When mommy's at home. <laughs> No, no, but the illustrator had buttoned his shirt a little too low. And I just, I had to put a note on it. He's an art instructor. (laughs) I did. I was like, bro, I think you have to give him another button. (laughs) Not in this children's book. 
It's pretty, you know, it is pretty amazing, though, to be honest with you, that there's just not a lot of disrespect towards him for as cliche as he is and as hokey doke as he could be considered to be. And, you know, he's he's just so respected. There's there's just no dog in him, honestly. I'm, aren't you surprised? By yes, that? I'm, yeah, I'm very surprised. Because Honestly, people, people like to hate a lot. You know, people exactly. like to hate other people. I mean, exactly. But Bob gets a pass. Right. Uh, totally gets a pass. That's because there Bob is didn't have a no. Twitter account. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, Bob, what do you think about gun control? Go. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's where and I also do think it was at a time and people probably ask you us all the time. Was he really like that? Where our, yeah. our, the, 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 the ability of us to enter into the world of others was limited by definite constraints. You know, if a person didn't want, you know, I saw him on television, that's all I knew about him, right? Unless he like did something egregious, the, there, yeah. weren't a, there wasn't a lot of news out there. But now with the, you know, all this social media, there's so many opportunities for whatever hero or figure you're talking about to be cast in a really negative light. And it was just a very simpler time of impression management, let alone he, you know, by all accounts was a nice person. But even if he wasn't a nice person, most people would never know it. Right. Because but he this was, but this but he was just like that. I don't, I, I don't you. want to burst your bubble, but he really was just oh, like, I, he I was on TV. But my, my point is you could be a really nice person today. Right. And it wouldn't matter because people would try to Correct. construct you in a way that some way gets at something negative to say, see, see, that's how they are. You are so right. Even the Pope gets bashed. Right. But somehow Bob takes a pass. Why? How? How is he? How is he so perfect? And nobody takes swipes at him. Nobody. I've never thought of this. But now I'm going to be asking the questions. <laughs> the science how, of how yeah. did that happen? He's so, I think maybe in his, in his, you know, in his person, persona on television, it remained so simple. There wasn't a lot to, he wasn't on there droning on and on about, uh, you know, um, anything. He just doesn't give you, he just doesn't give you any material to be unhappy with. Mm. That's a good point. It's funny because like, it seems like the only criticism that we can find was that the art world at first was like, hey, yes. this technique is not amazing. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and he does say that he got chased around with a bucket of water. In one of these one of these mall parking lots, when he would finish his demos and put all his little business cards back in his pocket, and he was, um, you know, packing up his little his little motorhome for the next mall, that I guess there were some traditional artists that came out and gave him a hard time. He says he was chased with a bucket of water, but I have a feeling that was maybe, you know, his storytelling embellish yes <laughs> because he's very good at telling stories it makes me wonder where did they get the bucket of water right. i mean did this happen to have the bucket of water in their right. car i mean where does one fill the bucket of water in a mall i don't know 
in the fountain. Yeah, the water <laughs> fountain, right? Yeah. The fountain. It's a long. That's a long time of filling yes. it up. But, yes. you know, the problem yes. is something there about, you know, the general negative reaction, but also, you know, if you think about it, what did Bob ask of the audience? Not much. Mm. I mean, you know, nothing, you know, and he was there giving, right? He was there right. giving. And as you said, it was a, it was a direct relationship. I, you know, the background being wow. very simple, you know, the, the, the beaner being very calm. There was not a, a lot of, a lot being, a lot of work being asked of us to do. To enter into his world. I think that is exactly right. He was, and you know, all you have to do is sit there for 26 minutes and watch his program. And you feel like you have accomplished something just from watching because the whole time he's telling that, telling you that you can do it, that you, that you almost feel like you've done something at the end, because he's just telling you that you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. So you turn off the TV and you feel like, all right, I did a thing and it was great, you know, and he doesn't ask for anything. He doesn't tell, tell you to go and definitely you have to paint. Otherwise you are a terrible person, you know, Mm. and it's, it's just sort of the most comfortable one-sided relationship you're ever going to (laughs) have. Well said, well said. Yes. I'm not going to make a religion joke. Okay, good. <laughs> no, but I, I love this. I love this idea. That I mean, this is it's it's such an interesting notion. That what is it about these like kind of direct relationships we can have with creators and in the medium too? I mean, it makes a huge difference, right? Like the the even the, I think there's something about it being on public access television too. Like that's non it's unpretentious, right? It's it's the everyday person could could find a way to get a a spot if they wanted to. Um, and so it's, it, it, to me, that's one of the things for me, it's like that Bob Ross has always just been down to earth, right. In terms of the, the medium and like what, what the subject matter is, like how the experience of the show is. And even the, again, that, that it's on public access, like there's, that is like the things you can't knock, you know, to our, to our respect point. Right. Like there's nothing, exactly. nothing, nothing bad yeah. about any of that. Right. That's <laughs> it, Yeah, definitely. No, I agree with you, especially in the, the whole public television thing is, it also doesn't get any sort of criticism because it's just so humble. You know, it's just a perfect storm. When it comes to Bob Ross, it was just everything fell in the right place at the right time and it just works. And you want a piece of that and you can get it just by turning on the TV. Mm. You can get 26 minutes of pretty much perfection and not have to do anything for it. That was some pressure, though, right? Twenty-six minutes. You got to produce the thing. That's that's true, actually. And you yeah, got to pace fast, it out. You got to pace it out. Can't be too fast. It can't be too slow. I mean, that's a, that's and, a mark to hit. And none of those shows were edited at all. They were they were live from start to finish. There was no editing. He absolutely insisted on no editing. A couple mm-hmm. of times, he knew that he wasn't going to finish. And he stopped it and started all over again. Oh, get out, really? Wow. Yes, definitely. Yes. He, he thought that that was, he thought that that no editing thing was going to be monumental. And I think he was right, actually. Other television artists would, would kind of go away and then come back and their canvas was halfway finished already. And he just thought that was so distracting and it was, 
very unappealing. People weren't going to want to do it if they knew that there was all this stuff going on that they weren't seeing. So he made it a very huge point. And yeah, 26 minutes is pretty dead gum fast. Nobody can, even the best certified instructors that we have cannot keep up with him at 26 minutes. And they've tried before. Oh, really? Yeah, nobody can do it. No, it's impossible. He was just amazing. There were things about him that were just amazing. If you ever see a painting up close, you'll cry. Mm. You will. This sounds good. I want to go. I want to go do that now. Yes. Yeah. That's a, that's amazing. I, I I'm I'm shocked that it was. There's no editing. It's just it's 26 minutes, and it's from his imagination and. Uh, and then some how, how it works. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you never feel him hurrying. Right. And mm. I think that he, you know, he was a very sort of disciplined person. So he knew that he had time for what or this or that or whatever. But, you know, one of the things about Bob that is so, that that especially the kids on Twitch know about is is where. He's almost finished with the painting. And then all of a sudden he plops this big, enormous tree trunk in the middle of the painting. Right. <laughs> and the kids on Twitch scream out that he's ruined the painting. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then he makes a tree out of it and it's better than it was before. And then they say that he saved it. But, I have noticed that before, by the way, not, yeah. not on Twitch, but when I was yeah. growing up, you like, yeah. like this thing in the middle, you're like, wait a second. Yes, you the just next thing you know, it. it works. It's like this extreme foreground exactly. and it frames everything else. Like, exactly. oh, okay. Yeah. He was so fun like that. I mean, he was just brilliant. Brilliant. But those big trees that he would plop in front, people were like, no, no. And then it was fabulous. That, that's that's amazing. Um, one thing I, I was curious about, in terms of the the kinds of videos and channels that that get put out too, there is like there's the 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 show that kind of keeping the dream alive, keeping mm -hmm. the Bob Ross dream alive. How like are these? What are, what are these shows intended to do? Kind of like help rethink about the painting techniques and, and kind of keep some of that moving. But like, what's what's the thinking behind those? So exactly what you're saying. A lot of a lot of the technique does sort of need to be, and you and you find this out if you go to a to a painting, a Bob Ross painting class, that some of that stuff that Bob is doing is sort of worth talking more about, um, explaining a little better, you know. You get bit by the bug with Bob and then and then you want to actually learn the technique. You want to really give it some time. Um, and that's what these these um, programs that we've done on YouTube with our certified instructors, where they take an hour um, and they just explain it a little better. People are loving them and the high resolution that was not available back in the 80s has also really sort of excited people that they can see, you know, the the uh, the fibers in the canvas and they can see exactly how that knife was loaded. And, you know, it's just sort of an extension 
of of uh, what Bob does without getting away from Bob ever. We, we're never going to get away from Bob, but there are some things that can be done. And if you want to paint, watching these additional videos helps a little more. Going to a class is what really does. If you really want to paint, you go to a class. They're about three or four hours long. They're not 26 minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But you just learn a little more about what Bob was doing. And, you know, he trained the trainers. They know they know what he did. He explained it. You know, when he comes off the camera and he's not on entertaining people anymore, there's a there's an actual specific detailed technique behind what he's doing. And 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 you that's when you can see Bob become sort of serious and, um, you know, explaining things like when you're loading the brush, you're not looking at the canvas. You're loading the brush. What happens on the canvas happens because you loaded the brush right. Mm -hmm. These are the sorts of things that you learn with these keeping the dream alive type extensions of bob the classes and the videos with with the cris and that sort of thing is to get the technique down good that sounds really neat too because um it is true it's like 26 minutes i can see that if that's that feels very fast right to try to pick this up yeah um, <laughs> yeah have that that's true that, that, that's a very cool idea though i mean it's, yes. it's like behind the scenes but uh but like it's like through the scene i guess I yes <laughs> yes <laughs> exactly really Yes. So what's like what's next for Bob Ross Inc.? What's what are some of the given that we have different things like VR, augmented reality, new technologies, we talked about Twitch. Um, beyond the tchotchkes, right? Are there other opportunities exploring that bring us into this world a bit more through different kinds of medium? So that's um a very good question and again a balancing act we've 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 really committed to making sure that people learn to paint in real life that's the number one goal it's from the 80s when bob was alive but it's still it's still it's still the best thing ever today and mm -hmm. The way the way I can tell you is that even at TwitchCon, when we were teaching kids to paint in our booth, they had no interest in electronics when they had a real, real paintbrush in their hands. Interesting. So teaching teaching people to paint in real life is still the number one goal. And anything else like VR, video games, that sort of thing, they're we're not going to go in that way in terms of like learning to paint on computers type thing. Although there's, you know, a lot of loud requests for that kind of thing, but we're, we're pretty confident that people need a real brush in their hand and real paint to get the full, the full joy of what Bob was doing. But there's a lot, we've got lots of, of things like VR, uh, video games just had a, a Zoom meeting today, not today, yesterday, 
with a company that's going to work on some some stuff for us on in that forum, which will be really great. And again, we have to make sure that kids, tiny kids, all the way up, you know, to um, skater dudes and everybody beyond, everybody's going to have to love it. Like we can't have Bob running around with a AK whatever, you know. We've right. got, yeah. it's a it's an interesting sort of balance to take care of is you know video games but not those kinds of video games and you know just making sure that what we do appeals to everybody and we've got a little kids kit painting again real paint real tiny brushes for children so they can do it Tiny little kids can paint with little tiny brushes that look just like Bob's, but they're little. It's the <laughs> cutest thing. It sounds adorable. Ever. Yeah. It's so cute. We're hitting all the marks and we're getting we're getting everywhere we can and we're we're making as many people happy as possible because that was Bob's thing. Well, I think it's a great place to end. Joan, thanks so much for chatting with us about the Bob Ross experience and Bob Ross Inc. and Bob Ross. Thanks. Thanks for having me. My favorite subject. We want to thank Joan Kowalski, president of Bob Ross Incorporated, for talking with us about Bob Ross and the Bob Ross experience. You can see more of Bob every weekend on twitch.com, which is pretty incredible. And you can visit and learn about his work and certified Bob Ross instructors at bobross.com. We have links to all this, as always, in our show notes. Now, one of my favorite questions that we get to ask on the show is, what are your <laughs> memories of Bob Ross? <laughs> you know, how do you incorporate creativity and art into your work, into thinking about experience design? And what ideas for Bob Ross products that we don't have today that you want us to see put on the shelves? Shoot us a message over at Feedback at Experience X Design or hop in the conversation on our LinkedIn page. If you have any pictures of yourself with a Bob Ross hairdo, make sure you send those our way as well. We will provide good money for those. And I'm sure we can figure out some way to highlight those on our website about Bob Ross. Mm -hmm. And we also want to thank you all for your continued support, because without that support, without your contributions of financial support, your contributions of ideas, and just kind words about episodes you'd like, we could not keep the podcast going. You can always make a contribution to support the cost of the podcast through our website where you can buy us a coffee. And also, if you'd like to sponsor an episode of Experience by Design, you can send us a message so we can make that happen. As always, you can share your feedback about episodes at feedback.experiencexdesign.com. And if you want to subscribe, you can head over to our website, give us your email, and stay on top of all of the experience, design, news, and happenings. So with that, be safe, be well, be happy, be arty, and be here for the next Experience by Design. <laughs>